Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Goodness and mercy will follow me or pursue me all the days of my life. Amen. Aren't you thankful that God's goodness isn't something that just kind of is out there, but he's actually pursuing us with his goodness? Oh, what a, what a good word. You know, when God was about to flood the world, he told this man named Noah to build an ark. The Lord then told him to take pairs of animals on the ark. The Bible tells us that God called the animals to the ark and they came. But you know, I've mentioned it before here, I want to remind you again, something that's fascinating to me is, as I wonder how long it took the snails to get to the ark. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, if I'm a snail and I've got to make it to the ark, can you imagine how many times, if I'm a snail, I wanted to give up? <laughs> this is too long, this is too hard, this is too far. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one of the great preachers of old, said it was by perseverance that the snail made it to the ark. But you know, here's something that, that I've been praying about and thinking about is, is that I know that God has called us together here in the Grange to be a church. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God has called me to be at this church. And I know even more definitively that he has called you to be here at this church. You and I and this church and, and LaGrange and the United States and, and lots of others, we've been through a lot the past year, amen? It's taken a whole lot of perseverance to get through 2021. It's taken a lot of work to get through uh, all the things that we've been through. 2021 was a tumultuous year. It's taken a lot of determination by a lot of different people and some of you are sitting in this room here today. It's taken much sacrifice by many people. Many people have given uh, extraordinarily amounts of money, time. Uh, we've made a lot of sacrifice together, but, but here we are at the beginning of a new year. <laughs> Praise God for new years. While that's exciting and I I'll continue to be pumped up about all that. I want to remind you today that you know this, but, but boy, a reminder, we have a real enemy. And this enemy will continue to do anything that he can to defeat, to discourage, and to destroy our church. Satan stands opposed, extremely opposed to the Lord Jesus and the Lord Jesus' people. Satan stands opposed to our mission and our vision. Let me remind you quickly of what those are. Our mission here is the one that Jesus gave in Matthew 22 and Matthew 28. We've summarized it this way. We want to be a church that embraces great commandment love. Great commandment love is that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but that we would love that way because he's first loved us. Great commandment love is that I love him because he's loved me. And then out of the overflow of that, that's what fuels me to be about great commission living, to going and loving my neighbor as myself and making disciples of the nations. That leads us then to also our vision that Satan is strongly opposed to. 
We have a vision here based on that great commandment love and that great commission living. How do we do that? Well, our vision is to provide a place to belong. (coughs) Excuse me, that we know and understand that everyone is made in the image of God, that everyone matters. We want everybody to understand that they are loved by God. We want them to feel like they belong. And then to put them on a path to become. That path to become is the path of discipleship, the path to where we embrace the Lord Jesus, to live his life, to do what he did, to to be who he was. We quickly understand that we can't do that apart from having an opportunity to believe in the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. And so we want to love people. We want to lead them to be like Jesus, but we really want to ultimately lead them to faith in Jesus. The enemy is continuing to try to divide, discourage, distract, and depress us. Can I just let you know that all this sickness and all that, it's just not because it just happens. Enemy is alive and well, but praise God, so is Jesus. But can I just remind you today, beloved, that we cannot give up. You and I can't pull back. We we can't let up and, and give in. We've got to press on And what we cannot do is just go through the motions. We must re-engage our hearts. We have got to continue to press on for the kingdom and cause of our great king, the Lord Jesus. You may be here this morning and you're being tempted to give up in some area of your life. You may not be even tied directly to church. There's some area in your life that you're saying, man, I want to quit. I want to give up. I want to give in. I just want to let it go. Can I remind you today, and I want to speak to your heart today about a a word of encouragement found in Acts chapter 14. And as we read Acts chapter 14, I want to encourage us all to hear the heart of Jesus that's for us. In Acts chapter 14, we're going to see three encouragements to keep standing for Jesus when we want to give up. So just out of respect for God's word, I wonder if you'd stand with me as we read Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. We'll be going all the way through verse 22 in the rest of the message, but for now, verses 1 through 7. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, hopefully there's one in the seat, underneath the seats around you, or you can always look on with your neighbor, because I know that God's people brought God's book with them to church today, amen? And then if you can't do that, you can always look on the screen, but we're going to read together. The Bible says in Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together, <clears throat> And spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed. (laughs) Both what, church? Jews and of what? Greeks. But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. Therefore, they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord who was testifying to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided, and some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them, they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Lyconia, Lystra, and Derbe and the surrounding region. And there they continued to preach the gospel. At Lystra, a man who was sitting had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb. I'm reading my Bible. 
who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who when he had fixed his gaze on him, had seen that he had faith in, in to be made well. So he said with a loud voice, stand up right on your feet. And he leapt and he began to walk. Then the crowds come and they say the gods have come down to us. You may sit as we teach the first thing this morning. That is simply this. I just want to encourage you, don't give up standing for Jesus when you encounter confrontation. Don't give up standing for Jesus when you encounter confrontation. The Bible says there in Acts chapter 14, verse 1, that they were in Iconium. You see, in Acts chapter 14, we join Paul and Barnabas as they're going from city to city throughout the Roman Empire proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. They come to the southern Galatian city called Iconium. It's at the foot of the Taurus Mountains. And what they did is they had a practice that when they first entered a city, they entered the Jewish synagogue because that's always where they would start. Paul was considered a visiting rabbi, so he would be given an opportunity to teach and to speak to them from the Old Testament. Paul would take the Old Testament and show how Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, was there, revealed in the Old Testament. That was his pattern every time he went to any city. They would start in a synagogue, they would preach the gospel, and by doing so, they would gain converts to Christ. They would eventually get enough of those that they would be run out of the synagogue, and sometimes they would be met with violent force. But enough of them had turned to Christ that they would begin to gather together, and they would meet in the house of one of those new believers. They would keep teaching the gospel there in that house until, again, they would be run off by violent force. A very painful missionary process, but God used it over and over and over again. So they go into Iconium and they're preaching Jesus and the gospel that it was so powerful that Jews and Gentiles are being saved. But as you looked in your text there, you'll see in verse 2, but the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. The, see, the message wasn't well received by some. Some began to poison the minds of other people against that message. The word poisoned means to make something bad, or it means to speak evil of something. You see, the opponents of the gospel took the message that God loves sinful people, that he sent Jesus to die to pay for the sins of people, that he rose to give eternal life to people. That message of good news, they took it, the greatest news, they took that message and they declared that it was bad news. They poisoned the people's minds. So what did Paul and Barnabas do? Verse three, the Bible says, therefore they spent a long time there speaking boldly with their reliance upon the Lord. They just kept standing for Jesus and preaching Jesus. You see, Paul and Barnabas did what they could do they remained and spoke boldly for the Lord, and then the Lord does what he does. The Bible says there that then the Lord was testifying to the word of his grace. Paul proved the validity, uh, uh, Jesus proved the validity of the gospel message that Paul and Barnabas were proclaiming. And as you read there, that they were given the ability to perform these wonders and these signs that was continuing to validate the gospel message. These apostles performed these wonders but then you would expect it to have joined people together. But the Bible says in verse 4, but the people of the city were divided. That's interesting to me. Eventually, their leaders got enough support that they were going to stone Paul and Barnabas and simply kill them. 
They knew that they needed to get out and go somewhere else. And Paul and Barnabas may have been tempted to just quit, to just give up, to just go back home, to talk about something else, to stop preaching about Jesus. But we read in verse 7, and there, the Bible says, they continued to preach the gospel. They didn't give up. Beloved, I want you to know today that we're going to continue to face opposition by standing for Jesus and the gospel in this very city. You and I will be tempted at your workplace when the opposition gets fierce. You're going to be tempted to turn back. Can I just remind you today, let's not give up the gospel here at First Baptist Church. Let's just keep standing for Jesus even though you and I will face opposition. Let's keep being about the gospel. You see, with our vision, we are leading our church. And I unashamedly tell you, we are leading our church in a certain direction to reach people with the gospel of Jesus. There's been some opposition. And I want you to know that when I first began to think about this vision, one man met with me very early on. And he said, Pastor, if you go this way, people are not going to like you. Well, hey, I want people to like me. I don't want to offend anyone. Even Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 32, he says, give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many so that they may be saved. I live, you live trying not to offend. Not for my sake, but so that people can hear the gospel and be saved. But please hear me. Please hear me and hear me well. No matter how kind, no matter how sweet I am, or no matter how kind and sweet you are, if you are standing for Jesus, you will be opposed. Jesus told us in John chapter 15, verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, indeed, surely, truly, truly, all who desire to live godly in Jesus will be what, church? It's a promise. It's not a matter of if opposition will come, but when it will come. And I want to encourage you that when it comes, and it already has come, just to keep standing for the gospel of Jesus. You see, I heard a story about a king, and this king ordered that a large boulder be placed in the middle of the road where most of his people had to travel. After he put it in the middle of the road, the king hid off by the side of the road to watch and see what would happen as travelers went by. Some came, and when they saw the boulder, they went off the road so that they could just go around the boulder. Some came and just stood there and cursed the king because he didn't make the roads any better. Some came and just turned back home. But one man, a vegetable farmer, he came and saw that large boulder, and he made a decision to move it. He pushed and pushed until he finally moved the boulder out of the road. Then he turned around and saw that under the boulder had been a hidden bag, and this bag was filled with gold pieces and a note. Here's what the note said. Whoever moves the stone receives all the gold in the bag. Can I just tell you today that when you face opposition for standing for Jesus, you're going to have to make some choices. You can do like some of those people did. You can just try to go around it, but I'm going to tell you it's always going to be there. You can stand up and curse it and complain that it's there, but it will not stop the opposition. You can make a decision that you're just going to face it and do whatever it takes to move it out of the way. And that's what God wants you to do. But here's the wonderful truth. 
When you face opposition and you don't quit and you don't stop and you just keep pushing with the gospel, there's a treasure waiting for you. And it's the glory of God in knowing that you and I are pleasing the king who's always watching, amen. Opposition may frighten you. It may discourage you. It may intimidate you, but it will only stop you when you take your eyes off of King Jesus. Church, can I just remind you today that heading into 2022, let's just keep standing for Jesus, even though the opposition in our culture just gets stronger against our message. Did you know today that in Canada, there are preachers today that are preaching in direct opposition of a new law that says you cannot say anything against homosexuals or lesbians. And I want to tell you today, listen to me, I take a stand on this. And if you're there, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just telling you there's opposition headed to America. It's coming in 2022. And you and I will have to say, am I going to stand when the tough, when it gets going tough, or am I just going to give in and go with the culture? Church, stand with the gospel, stand with me, stand with Jesus, amen. We need to be a church that doesn't give up standing for Jesus when we face that kind of confrontation. But secondly, can I tell you today, don't give up standing for Jesus when you expose confusion. When you expose confusion in verses 8 through 15, we find that Paul and Barnabas go into a frontier city on the border of the region of Galatia called Lystra. It was a place, you kind of got to know, where Romans didn't enforce their laws. Kind of like some of the back streets in LaGrange, you know, the way off where there's no police anywhere and people just kind of do what they want to do. The people of Lystra were rugged people who did their own thing. The people of Lystra didn't speak Greek or Latin which was the language of the Roman Empire. They spoke their own language. The Romans considered them to be barbarians. So Paul and Barnabas come into the city of Lystra and they get off to a great start. As Paul is preaching, he sees one who's been crippled from birth and he heals him. And when the people see this miraculous healing, they are impressed, but they're also really confused because in verse 11, it says this. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, verse 11, they raised their voice, saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have become like men and have come down to us. The text goes on to tell us that they called Paul Hermes and they called Barnabas Zeus. In ancient Greek mythology, Zeus is the king of the gods of Mount Olympus. Hermes is the son of Zeus and known as the messenger of the gods, sometimes called Mercury. He wore an outfit with wings on his head. See, to make this understandable to you and me, we have to understand that there was an ancient story in Lystra that every single Lystonian knew. The story was that once Zeus and Hermes had visited an ancient valley near Lystra, that they went from one house to another and the people in the valley refused to take them in. So Zeus and Hermes went to a poor home where an old man and his wife lived. This couple received Zeus and Hermes into their home and let them spend the night. The next day, Zeus and Hermes took the old couple to a mountain and they flooded the entire valley and drowned everyone and refused to let them in. They transformed that old shack where the couple lived into a temple that was covered with glittering gold. The story was as old as anyone could ever remember and everybody in Lystra would have known that story. These are very superstitious people. So then they thought that Zeus and Hermes had returned. Barnabas was older, so he must have been Zeus. 
Paul did most of the talking, so he must have been the messenger of the gods. He must have been Hermes. The people were determined not to repeat the mistakes of their ancestors. So in verse 13, the Bible says this. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garland to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice of the crowds. Here it is that that Paul and Barnabas, they go from almost being stoned in one city to being made like gods in this one. And you would think that things had taken a turn for the better, but that's not what really happened. The Bible says that, that they were distraught and they understood something, and that is this, that the message of the gospel is never about the messenger, it's always about Jesus in verse 14. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, that this was being sacrificed to them, they tore their robes and rushed out into the crowd crying out. They began crying out, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and sea and all that is in them. They tore their clothes, which was a Jewish sign of mourning over blasphemy. Paul began to preach a sermon that he and Barnabas were just ordinary men. He said that they were sent with the message of the good news. But even as he preached that message, verse 18, the Bible said, even saying these things with difficulty, they restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. You see, they were so misunderstood. Why? Because they exposed confusion. It's possible for people, even here on Sunday morning, to hear, to hear the truth, but not really hear it. It's possible for people to see the truth, but not really see it. There are people like these who've heard the gospel many, many times, plainly, clearly, and simply, but still have never really heard. They still misunderstand it. And when we share the clear gospel, we expose the confusion of people who are living the lies. I remember preaching in a church, and as the message went out over the radio, a lady and her daughter heard it. They're of another religion, and the mom requested to meet with me. We met, and she told me how wrong I was and and how I wasn't telling the truth. You see, her religion elevates the traditions of men and the words of a prominent man over even the word of God. And I simply had to stand my ground and stay with the Bible and the gospel alone. You see, here's what I know. When we expose what people believe to be the truth of God's word, When we expose that to people, they are going to get upset. Others just like her will want you and will want me to stop teaching this book, this gospel, but we can't. You and I have to stand and continue to preach even as we expose the confusion that's in our culture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 through 4 says this, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. You see, Paul preached, and when he preached the message, Satan would blind the eyes so that people couldn't see and understand. Paul knew that these people in Lystra had misunderstood the simple message of the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ. Sometimes, do you understand this, that sometimes in people's confusion, people will exalt religious people and not trust Jesus? 
You see, it happens here at church. Some people say this, I really love my pastor. And somehow they think that just by loving me, it'll make them right with God. Beloved, I want you to love me. I really do. But, but loving me cannot make you right with God. Only Jesus can do that. Don't elevate any religious leader at the expense of trusting Jesus. Sometimes in their confusion, people think that just because they were raised in a Christian family, that because their mom and dad love Jesus, that that'll make them right with God. Only Jesus can make you right with God. Sometimes we think that church identity makes us right with God. Sometimes you share the gospel with people and they say, well, hey, you know what? I'm a Catholic. I'm okay. I'm a Methodist. I'm okay. I'm a Baptist. I'm okay. I'm a member of the church in Bastrop. I'm okay. Paul says it's not about being okay and it's not about the church that you belong to. It's about belonging to Jesus Christ personally through believing and trusting in his death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins. Even in the confusion, Paul and Barnabas just kept talking about Jesus. You know why? You know why we just keep speaking into the confusion? Because if people are blind to the gospel, did you know that Jesus can make people see? If people are deaf to the words of the gospel, did you know that Jesus can make them hear? If people seem dead to the things of God, did you know that Jesus can make them alive? If their minds seem completely confused, did you know that Jesus can put people in their right mind? The gospel and Jesus have that kind of power. Do you believe that today? I believe that today. He said, don't give up. Don't give up telling people about Jesus. Isn't that what Mitch told you last week, church? Isn't that what he told you? That we've got to be about sharing the gospel and standing for Jesus when we expose confusion. Lastly, let me encourage you this. Don't give up standing for Jesus when you experience consequences. Don't give up standing for Jesus when you experience consequences. You see, things take a drastic turn in Lystra. In verse 14, the Bible said this, but when the apostles, Paul and Barnabas, heard of it, they tore their robes and rushed out in the crowd crying, and I told you what they cried. The Bible tells us that people from other towns who opposed Paul and Barnabas, they came to Lystra, and they began to stir things up and persuade these same people who were just lifting Paul and Barnabas up as gods. They persuaded them to stone now Paul. So, so they, they did, and they dragged Paul out of the, the, the city, and they stoned him, and they thought he was dead. Here's a question when I was studying and reading it. Why is Paul stoned and not Barnabas? Well, it's probably the same thing Paul's thinking, right? And maybe because he's the one doing the talking. Maybe because they've elevated Barnabas to Zeus and they can't stone Zeus. I mean, surely, right? No matter Paul's there in his own blood, he's been stoned by, by all these stones. His, his bones are broken. He's laying beneath the rubble and the rocks and he looks as if he's dead. So the new disciples, they gather around him and they're probably crying over him and, and weeping over him. They don't know what to do. And they're just looking at all this blood and these broken bones, this, this, this shambles of a man. And the next thing you know, they're looking at Paul and one of his eyes pops open. Boom. And then the other one pops open. Boom. And Paul is like, hey guys, change the plans. No funeral today. Let's get back up and let's get back out there. And with blood and dirt covering his body, he walks right back into the city and he looks like a walking dead man, but he was a living witness. And this is what I'm just trying to tell you about this. Listen to me. Will there be consequences when you stand for Jesus? You had better believe it.
but Christ will see you through. Paul and Barnabas didn't give up. They just kept preaching. They went first to Derby, and then they went back to Lystra, and then they went to Iconium, and then they went to Antioch, and all the places they had been persecuted before, they even went back there. Verse 22 summarizes what they were doing. The Bible says that they were strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And can I tell you, church, that is the message that God gave to me for you here this morning. That I should encourage you to continue in this faith and saying it might get worse before it ever gets better. Through many tribulations, we will enter the kingdom of God. Stay strong. Don't give up. Said another way, pain is going to be part of God's program for 2022. Look, we've been together for two years. We've made disciples and we've appointed leaders, if you read in the text, just like they do in verses 21 and 23. You have been so faithful and I'm so proud of you. I celebrate our faithfulness and I praise the Lord. But I'm telling you today, please just stay strong. Don't give up. Let's keep celebrating more New Year's together. Jesus is saying to us today, church, just don't give up. I came across this from the diary of a famous preacher named John Wesley. I was reading through some of his diary uh, journal that, that he put together. It said this, Sunday a.m., May the 5th. He says, I preached in St. Anne's and was not asked to come back. Sunday p.m., May the 5th. Preached in St. John's. The deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday a.m., May the 12th, a week later, preached in St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Sunday a.m., May the 19th, a week later, preached in somebody else's church. Deacons called a special meeting and said I should never return. Sunday p.m., May 19th, preached on the street and was kicked off the street. A week later, Sunday a.m., May the 26th, preached in the meadow, chased out of the meadow as they let a bull loose on me. Sunday a.m., June the 2nd, a week later, preached out at the edge of town and got kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m., June the 2nd, afternoon, I preached in a pasture and 10,000 people came out to hear the gospel. Amen. Can I just tell you, just don't give up. Just keep at it, church. Press on, press into Jesus, press on with the gospel. And I want to tell you something. Just let me remind you, it may not look like God is doing much right now, but our breakthrough is coming. Do you know that? Our breakthrough is coming because Galatians 6, 9 is still in the Bible, right? And it says this, let us not lose heart in doing what, church? Doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we don't grow weary. Listen, I know we're tired in this thing. I know we're hurting. I know people are still grieving over the loss and all the stuff that's kind of happened through what we've been through. I understand that. And I know we're tired in it, but can I just tell you this? Don't get tired of it. You can be tired in this, but don't get tired of it. Keep standing even when you experience consequences because God will use your witness. Don't quit on us. Don't quit on First Baptist Church. Don't give up on the Lord. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your dreams. 
today to the man struggling with the temptation that just won't go away. Hey, don't give up, friend. To the single mom or dad, I know it's tough. Just don't give up hanging there. To the family struggling just to get enough to eat, don't give up. For that one who has prayed and prayed and prayed and hasn't even seen the smallest answer to their prayer today, can I tell you, don't give up. To that widow who has lost her husband to sickness, hey, sweetie, you hang in there, don't give up. To the ones who have lost friends and family because of your faith in Jesus, listen, don't give up. To those who have been dealing with COVID, hang in there, don't give up. To those who have had family reject you because of the gospel, don't give up. To those who will leave this place today to go home to give care for a sick loved one who will never recover, don't give up. To the one who's sitting here within the sound of my voice, hoping there's something better for you, don't give up. To the one who's lost everything due to the weather or to an accident, don't give up. To the mom and to the dad that's praying for your child, don't give up. To the leader here in this church, I know you're tired and you're weary, don't give up. To this church, to the staff, to the group of leaders, to everybody listening today, just don't give up. Because when you face opposition and you are misunderstood and you face consequences, just don't give up. Because can I remind you, and when Jesus was opposed, and when Jesus was misunderstood, and Jesus faced consequences for our sin, he didn't give up. Jesus loves you, and he loves this church. Can I just tell you today, as the band comes, can I just tell you that Jesus has not given up on you, and we're not going to give up on you either. Can we just keep? Standing for Jesus. I wonder if you'd stand with me and let's pray together this morning. Father, I know that you know who needs to hear the message of not giving up. And Father, I know that you know that the gospel divides. So somehow in the midst of it all, Father, if you are drawing one to your heart today, that they would hear you calling sweetly and tenderly to come home. Pray for that leader, that, that precious loved one that's in, in the audience today who's just struggling and they want to give up, that today you'd remind them that they have power not to give up because of Christ. Speak, Lord, for your church and your servants are listening. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Before we sing, Jeremy, I want to say something to somebody. Can I tell you this? That you've got to give up before you give up. What I mean by that is you've got to give your sin up and give it to Jesus because if not, you're eventually going to give up. Jesus is the answer. So give up. Give up to Jesus before you give up. But can I just strongly encourage you today? You've got to give it up to Jesus before you give out. Because I can't promise you that, man, you'll leave here and take your next breath. You guys have seen it. It's happened all around. We've, we've walked through that. I mean, people just on their daily business. Can I just encourage you that if you've never made a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ to come and do it today, Pastor Justin and some others will be down here to receive you. 
as we sing, you pray and you come.